This is the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. Well, my guest is Stephen Richardson from Point Seven West. You're celebrating your 20th year here in the desert. How exciting is that? Yes, and thank you for reminding me that it had been 20 years. <laughs> thank goodness for LinkedIn that gives us those anniversary dates. Absolutely. How did you get started? Um, so the funny part is, is that I came from the world of the kind of discovery background, sort of the discovery channel, sort of. I worked for a post-production company in Arlington, Virginia, and they were the back end, one of the many back ends for discovery for creating content. And so I had worked for, their, for them in their post-production department. I had a lot of background in post and I kind of worked weekends to learn all of the stuff that I could about video production. And I did that for about five years. And then on February 28th, um, 2001, I moved to, um, I made a, I, I moved to Los Angeles. So I left on February 8th, arrived on March 7th, hence the name 0.7 West. Oh, okay. So that's where I came up with the name as I arrived in California on March 7th. Uh, and then I incorporated on August 10th as an S corporation. And there you go. And how did you get to the Coachella Valley? I got to the Coachella Valley because, um, believe it or not, my wife and I looked at each other at one point and we said, you know, if we wanted to make a business or if you wanted to have an opportunity, you couldn't be in Los Angeles. You know, I didn't move to LA to become a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I moved to LA really for the lifestyle, the weather. I was from the East coast. It was horrible. So I ended up um, having a friend that lived out here. He invited us over once for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We went to his house. He had a pool, a hot tub, and a garage, <laughs> and I thought that was pretty darn cool. And so we said, well, maybe we'll just come out here and start a new life. And when we came out, and when we first did, I thought, what have I done? Um, but mm. instantly um, was able to kind of jump in and, and find an opportunity here locally and enjoyed it, and we have never left. Well, it's quite an accomplishment to create a business like yours, which is video production and and allied kind of skills. You're known for very high-end, high-quality productions. Was that a challenge? Because we don't have a lot of those kinds of businesses here. Was that a challenge early on? It was, but I think people saw it. So the people that realized the quality were contacting us mm -hmm. and we were trying to build our reputation on creating content. And it really helped me kind of dive into understanding this community, trying to figure out who was who, who was doing what and make those relationships. Just to give some perspective, you know, 20 years ago, I think this would be accurate to say the typical television commercial on our local TV stations was a series of slides, still images, you know, come to, you know, Gary's uh, diner. And, you know, there just be one slide after another with a voiceover. And I think part of this transition to higher quality was also helped by moving from the old TV standard to the HD TV standard too, because that really raised the production caliber. Um, what sort of uh, education did you have to do to local advertisers to kind of get them to uh, step up to better production? It was interesting because when we first came here, it wasn't like we were coming here to create television commercials. Right. I mean, I could watch the commercials and understand the maybe the caliber that they were at, um, but I always kind of went with what my passion and in my, in what my gut was. And that was creating video content for people, corporations, and organizations. 
And with that content, we would create short format videos. So I kind of got bored. I mean, this was before short videos were popular, mm -hmm. but I'm like one to four minutes is where I enjoy to tell a story to go. Even if you weren't interested, my goal was to make you interested. And that really resonated with nonprofits that resonated with, you know, resorts that were trying to like show people more than 30 seconds could show you. And I focused on that. Once we became successful there, then it kind of opened doors for like, could you do a commercial for, you know, us? And then we kind of branched into that world. I don't know if this is good or bad, but I am doing the exact same thing that I've always done. And I actually haven't changed. The industry's changed. And now a lot of people do exactly what I've done and people do it very well. And it's exciting to be part of it. Right. I think we could call you a pioneer in what we now call explainer videos, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember the first time I saw what I used to call an image film and it was this, you know, three minute video that you would watch and it was just so engaging and interesting and, and the visuals were so stimulating. You just said, I want to watch it again. Mm -hmm. And I thought, if you want to want to watch a video twice, that's a good video. Right. Right. Cause I was always inspired that if it's, um, if you're not even interested, but you still want to watch it, you've pulled somebody in. And I kind of just ran with that. It just came easy to me mm -hmm. because I enjoyed every part of the process. I think people looking for editorial information, you know, reviews, things like that, are going to YouTube first. It's become a very powerful selling tool. I love YouTube. It is, for me personally, just the content, what I, what I learn from other content producers, from people you know, whether I'm looking for video, you know, information on video or finances or whatever, I'm just fascinated that this, we have the ability to have this because I'm a visual person. I learn that way. So for me, it changed my life professionally and personally. What do I look at um, in regards to other people making videos? I think this is fantastic because if we didn't have these tools, then none of us could be learning. So there's the perfect, I think there's, you know, whether you're shooting this on your iPhone or a GoPro or whatever, I, I don't think it really matters. I've never been a real, I've never been sold on like what kind of things you did to tell that story. I'm just sold that you told the story. Right. And mm -hmm. so for me, most of my personal things that I do, I shoot it all on an iPhone. Why? Because it's different than my work life where it gets a little bit more complicated. And I enjoy the kind of the spontaneity of just being able to capture it. Right. So I, I would tell anyone, Hey, if you, it doesn't matter how you do it, just do it, you know, period. So what are you working on mostly these days? Are you getting into like e-learning projects? No, um, I, I'm a little bit particular on what I have, the road that I've gone down. I don't necessarily think I've gravitated towards something that's like lucrative or maybe an area that I should go down for more of like a business model, mm -hmm. you know, e-learning sort of things. I've just stuck with what I truly am passionate and I feel like I am confident at producing. I like to collaborate with other people that are doing it, um, use some of my knowledge to help others. Um, but I really kind of steer clear of longer things because it's a bigger commitment that to be honest is not the focus of my business. It's really has been 30 seconds to five minutes. That's my sweet spot. Thinking about 20 years of work, what, is the one that sticks out in your mind? I did two very interesting jobs in the very onset. And it was one was for the Security Exchange Commission of the United States. 
And right after that was for the Institute of Infectious Disease with Anthony Fauci. Mm -hmm. And that video for infectious disease with Anthony Fauci was to recruit top end scientists to join the U.S. government to fight infectious disease. And I remember sitting in the room with Dr. Fauci and we were interviewing him. And he started off this video saying that one day in the snap of a finger, our life will change. I remember sitting there and I kind of got goosebumps going like, man, I hope this doesn't happen when I'm here. This is pre-COVID, right? This is Mm pre-COVID. This is 17 years ago or something like Mm -hmm. that. That interview went, we did this video and I edited this in Indian Wells in our office on Club Drive, right? And when this hit and he came on TV, I'm like, well... (laughs) <laughs> you know, he looked me dead in the eye and told me this is coming. Right. And, wow. and I think that's something that I have found with every video that we've produced. We've produced things for the poorest places in the, you know, in the country and the richest places in the country. And everyone has a story and they're all, they're never the same. Right. But you do remember them. And then somewhere those roads cross. Right. Mm-hmm. And you go, wow, I remember someone talking about this or they said, this is going to happen. What advice would you give to young filmmakers or people who have a passion for working somewhere in the creative arts? There's a lot of emphasis on STEM, uh, but not much emphasis on STEAM. They kind of eliminate arts as any kind of future career. Is there a future working in this kind of industry? I think there is a future. It has changed drastically. And I look back, and it's easier for me to say, but I look back and go, wow, I, I wish this was here when I started. But then there's another part of me that says, wow, this is, this is a whole different playing field because um, I feel like, you know, film and video is sort of like a word processor now. Everyone has it. But I also make the kind of the comparison that it's also like having Home Depot and Lowe's. And just because all those tools are there and we can all do some pretty handy things, it doesn't mean that we're any good at it. Right. If you have a word processor, it doesn't make you Ernest Hemingway, right? Right. But it also gives the people those tools that didn't realize that they have a talent to connect to that talent. And I think that's awesome. I wish I could go to Home Depot and actually build something, but I still can. Do you get a lot of clients from outside of the Valley? So a lot of the work that's outside of the Valley is connected through long-term relationships with agencies mm-hmm. and friends that are saying, hey, we're working on a job in wherever, Indiana, Chicago, Washington, D.C., Florida. I think people realize what our skill set and what we can offer, and they will team with us to help. And that's where a lot of our work comes. I feel like it's a split. We do a lot of local work. I like working locally. I like being part of this community, but there's also, it's exciting when you get the opportunity to work on something for, you know, the National Institutes of Health or, you know, a big brand like Shea Homes, where they have, you know, products and they're developing things all over the country. That's fun to be part of. I think a lot of business people listening to this would wonder how your business evolved over the last 20 years. I did not go to school to get a master's and to start a business. And I think that if I look back, I built a business around myself, which is what a business, a real business person would say would be a mistake. To me, it was pure passion that kind of moved it forward. So the real quick way of how it happened is that I incorporated um, as an S corporation in 2001. Once I incorporated, it was me as a whole, you know, I owner of the company and built the brand up. When I moved to the desert, um, a good friend of mine, um, Scott Birch, 
and I connected and Scott and I became business partners with 0.7 West. We had no idea really what we were doing. We were at a stage in our life where I was doing something, he was doing something, and we were just two creatives trying to create. Now, we should mention Scott Birch is a local graphic designer. Exactly, right. right. And so through that, we um, we started hiring people and um, following no real business sense, but just saying, well, we got this job. Let's just get somebody to do it. Maybe not running 100% the numbers on how to do it. Um, so Scott and I did that. And, and I think relatively successfully, we were successful at it. Though I had passions, he's had passions. And so a lot of people, we ended up, he ended up going his way. I ended up going my way. And then, you know, then I had probably at one point, maybe 12, 13 employees. Oh, wow. So we had 12 or 13 employees. We had an office in Indian Wells. Then we moved to La Quinta. When we were in La Quinta, we had, you know, a five ton grip and electric truck. We had, you know, van, we had a van, we had, you know, a, a Tundra to, you know, to help move equipment and gear. Um, and then in 2009, and, and mind you, as a creative person, I was working all the time, had no life balance, zero. It was just next job, next mm. job, next job. So I really created quite a job for myself and quite a lot of stress and quite a lot of overhead. I then found out in 2009, I had melanoma skin cancer, skin cancer kicked in. And I looked at my wife and we said, we got to change our life. Mm. So downsized. And this is at the perfect time. Dropbox was invented. Um, that was huge. YouTube came along. It was almost like being a monkey and swinging from one tree to another tree because <laughs> it allowed us to do something completely different. So Desiree Portalisi, who has been with me for 13 years um, as an executive producer, she stayed on board and I had to let some people go, which was a very, very hard thing for me. But I had really no choice that if like, I need to change my life and the only way to do it is you can't do it with this huge overhead. Mm -hmm. So kept her on board and um, we basically went remote. I worked from home. She worked from home and I ended up building teams of people. So no office at all? No office at all. Okay. I don't think I have an office in maybe nine years. Okay. Okay. So in nine years, it's given me the flexibility to work remote, work with teams. I have people that, you know, that are working in New York city and people that are working, you know, um, uh, in Northern California, Oregon, that are part of the team that work with us consistently. So you're always like 10 years ahead of the new trend. I wouldn't give myself credit for it, but looking <laughs> back, I would say that's what I did. It, it just felt like, hey, if you want to live the life that you should be living, you're going to have to change. And now looking back, I'm like, Dropbox was amazing. Absolutely changed the way we did things. YouTube was amazing because the biggest problem was we would shoot this content and we had to do something with it. Mm -hmm. And I, where am I going to store it? How am I going to back it up? You know, we used to have servers inside of our office and a very smart person work in the office to manage all the media, all the data, all the backups. That was an expensive operation just to have it that way. And then Dropbox came and they say $700 a year and as much as you want to upload. And, and all you have to do is drag and drop. And that was game changer. Mm. What's out there that you would like to do? In the world of video? I guess just to, we'll open it up to anything open you'd like to, to do. Anything. Maybe you'd like to write a book or. You know, I've been interested in two things in my entire career, personally and professionally. And I think it's the creation of video content, storytelling. And I've always enjoyed real estate. Um, 
architecture. Uh So there's a part of me that's very interested in, I'm always building something, right? So whether I'm building, um, trying to build a portfolio of assets, real estate, that is just inspiring to me to create some sort of living spaces. Mm -hmm. I enjoy the tiny home VRBO part of changing my life meant that I moved to Wyoming and every summer because my wife is a counselor, she was off, my daughter was off. So I worked remote from Wyoming. Mm. So part of this life change was going to Wyoming. I just returned yesterday, actually, giving myself a balance. And once I did that, it opened my eyes up to go, no one really cares where I'm at. You know, I'm, I'm here 10 months out of the year, Mm -hmm. but two months we leave. And in those two months, when I leave, I feel like my creativity and my energy ramps up because I get a step back from what I do every day Mm. and sort of reflect on it. So to answer your question, I would say I would like to create my own YouTube channel, maybe not a 0.7 West, but to practice what I preach a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was funny. I actually had made a little YouTube channel and I think I stuck one video up and I got two thumbs down and it was from my daughter. It was from my daughter and her friend. My daughter was like, you're in the business of making videos and that's all you did. Oh no. And it was like, the bar is very high for you. And it just, I was like, yeah, that's work. I have to create it. And I think the headspace that I'm having trouble with is stepping away from how I do it professionally and to kind of change the game to open up a new space to play in. And I think 2022, I'm going to do it you know, to open myself up to sharing what I know, you know, maybe teaching in the way that I could teach, uh, collaborating with individuals to find ways to raise the bar or to think different with video. Cause I do love it, but it's fun to do it with other people. So you love architecture. I have to guess you must have created a space in your home. That's a fabulous home studio. You know, I just, I think that it's just the environment in which I work mm-hmm. is, is just all part of it, right? I mean, the beauty from working from home is I get to be able to set up my space to say, this is where I need to wake up and just where I need to work. Maybe not how I'd work if I had two, three, four people, but this is where I wake up and this is my happy place to spend, you know, my eight, 10, 12 hours a day in. After having so many employees, is there a downside to kind of working in isolation so much now? Great question. I think always when you're face-to-face with someone, someone, that is just kind of the culture in which a lot of us grow up. You know, you go to school and you're always collaborating. You have teammates and classmates and whatever, and there's there's a synergy that comes from mm-hmm. that. But just like anything, when you see the other side and you can connect through, we use programs like Slack, you know, and Zoom. And, you know, our teams are communicating daily. And I think just how people communicate in general has absolutely changed. So sometimes people, you can, there's a lot of wasted time on FaceTime because you get together mm-hmm. and I need to be at the office at nine and you get there at nine. And then I'm going to like, Hey, Ken, how was your weekend? Mm-hmm. Was that good? And we'll chit chat and whatever. And I'm like, Oh, it's nine 45. <laughs> Maybe we should start working. Yeah. Whereas now I feel like the efficiency rate really goes sure. through the roof and I might not get to my desk until 10 on a certain day, but I might work from seven to 11 o'clock at night, because that was a much more efficient window for us to handle something. So I'm a people person. I like to be with people, but I also like to be efficient and to get things done. So mm, do I ever want to go back? There are times where you do, Yeah, you're like, Oh, that, you know, the, in the right formula, the right, whatever, I would never say never. Mm-hmm. Right. It's been fun this way, 
but hey, I've changed my life so many different times that I'm not scared to abort mission on anything. I feel like, you know, it doesn't almost kill you. It's not worth doing. Looking over your last 20 years, once again, your 20th anniversary, mm -hmm. what would you have done differently? If someone would have told me when I first started this is to do it a little bit backwards, understand what you want to do and how to financially pull off doing that first versus then doing it and figuring it out later. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, sometimes there's, there's a beautiful thing about being young and just doing it because you don't have any fears. Um, now that I've made it through some those fearful moments, I'm like, why didn't someone say, Stephen, let's do a little spreadsheet here and let's add up office space, workman's compensation, vacation time, mm -hmm. you know, all these elements that go, it's not just paying someone the salary. Let me show you the salary plus, 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 plus. Right. And then does that model make sense? So, and maybe that would have been a huge help. Well, congratulations on 20 years, and we'll have you back for your 50th anniversary. How about that? Oh, 50 years and 30. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll be in Wyoming. By yeah, then, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, yeah. Hopefully I'm alive. Any final thoughts? Well, I appreciate you having me on and reminding me that it had been 20 years. That's exciting, and thank you very much. Thank you. This has been the Public Record Podcast, a public service of the Public Record, the Coachella Valley's Business News Weekly. I'm Managing Editor Ken Allen. Thanks for listening. Please share this podcast with your friends and be sure to click the subscribe button.